comes, it's Nashville Untold with Andrew Buckwalter, the podcast that interviews the most interesting and influential people making an impact on Nashville's business, charitable, and entertainment scenes. Joining us now from his roving camper studio, here's Andrew. Welcome to episode 19 of Nashville Untold, and thank you for tuning in. Today in the Rambler, I will be hosting Vincent Puglisi. For 18 years, I wanted to get a picture in Sports Illustrated, like a major picture. I've had small ones. And, he go, and I said, what happened? He goes, you got, you got a two-page spread in Sports Illustrated. I was like, really? I said, okay, what picture? And he sends me the clip, and it's that picture. Mm-hmm. It was that picture of Crosby with the stick in the air. And I just sat back, and I was like, I was so grateful. Right. For all that pain, because if it wasn't for the, it was a, if it was a normal life, I would have gotten right up, and I would have went and transmitted other pictures, never thought about, it, and that moment, my Sports Illustrated moment, would have happened, and I would have been gone. I wouldn't have got that. Nobody would have got it because nobody would be in my spot. So because of all that pain, I got to achieve one of the major goals that I wanted with my career. Vincent joined me at Two Rivers Park, and we talked about his journey. Vincent is the first non-Nashvillian I hosted in the Rambler, so he's uh, he's quite special. Vincent runs a mastermind group called Freelance to Freedom, and I've been a member of the group for over a year. It's great. We uh, talk with a bunch of entrepreneurs from around the U.S. and some in the world weekly and challenge each other. And so he is the uh, facilitator, and he runs all the mastermind groups. He is also the author of Freelance to Freedom. He shares his financial freedom journey as well as overall life freedom. He is a professional photographer and has shot several professional sporting events as well as professional wrestling events. With all that experience, he has some great stories he shares on the podcast as well as many more in his book. He will encourage you to reflect on your current path and challenge you on how to create freedom in your life. Melinda Edlin joins me again in the Rambler for another song she wrote at the end of the podcast. Reminder as well that this month, Safe Haven Homeless Shelter is the nonprofit of the month. And make sure to check out details on the show notes for their 14th annual Hike for the Homeless. Hello, Nashville. Today I am coming to you from Two Rivers Park. And I am sitting here with a guy that is not a Nashvillian, but eventually he will be. We're getting there. Vincent Biglisi. I am going to hang out with him. You know, since it's kind of a podcast that I run, I figure I could go outside of the norm. And if there's somebody that interests me, interests me enough, like Vincent, he's very interesting in a a weird type of way. Um, (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> That's a good way to describe it. <laughs> no, so Vincent, he uh, he leads a uh, facilitates leads a mastermind I'm a part of called Freelance to Freedom, and he recently wrote a book called Freelance to Freedom. He's growing a nice platform and teaching people, teaching and encouraging people how to be financially free. So, and time, time, yeah. time is the main one. It is. Uh, that's money. right. So not just money, but time. Yeah. Say hi, Vincent. How are you guys doing? Thanks for having me. This is It's an honor to be in here. I've heard so much. I've seen the pictures, but I'm actually in here, in the Rambler, and it's uh, it's more than it's cracked up to be. I love it. 
really that much. It's like ten times better than you even thought it would. Your dream. I'm sitting here and I'm just. I have all these ideas <laughs> and thoughts. Like I'm saying to you, and you're like, no, I'm good. And I'm like, oh, we could do this or you could do that. And I just, I love it. That's what we do in the mastermind, isn't it? That's it's right. It's like, uh, man, I'm kind of good where I'm at. And then it's like, well, have you thought about doing yeah, that? Like, really? Uh, like I thought me. I was good, you know. <laughs> Vincent came here actually for a podcast uh, meetup we're having tomorrow. He's from Pittsburgh. And yesterday it was like seventy five. Yeah, I brought and, the I brought the cold weather. Yeah, from, and today yeah. it's like high fifty. Because we, we're t- we're talking about moving here, but it's like, you know, if I would have brought Elizabeth and the kids, they'd be like, "Why are we going to move here? It's the same exact weather that we have there." So I, I was expecting sunshine and seventy. So I'm. Well, the great thing about it is that which this this actually spring it's a lot cooler than it has been, um, is that. You know, Mother Nature's pretty moody down there. Okay. Um, I mean, because you got a 75 day, and then you got a 50 day. But what I love about having the seasons is you're like, oh my gosh, so hot. And then next thing you know, you get a cool, cool day, you know. So it mixes it up enough to where, you know, just. You never like know it. what to expect. You don't. Right. Just like this interview. That's right. <laughs> Making me All nervous. Right, so <laughs> jump into a speed round. All right. Oh, right um, away? That doesn't come at the end? No. Oh, you know, and I'm right. still listening to these thinking, should I change them up? Or, no, let's but go. We're going to keep going with it. And so these are some normal questions I asked Nashvillians. So I changed up the wording just enough. All right. So why do you not live in Nashville? That's a great question. We're on. So the the original question is why do you live? I get you. I, mm-hmm. I'm 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 on to you. It's a conversation that's going on. Right. We why it's a good question because you know I grew up in New York. I'm a New Yorker. We've lived in Pittsburgh for seven years now, and we're having the itch. You know, we had three months on the road as a family traveling, and we have so many friends here like you. And we got back home and it was snowing. Like, what are we still doing here? So you were serious about the message you sent me. Hey, dude, what, what's the housing market? Like? I'm. We're serious. We're absolutely serious. We have so many friends here. And I've, we lived in Evansville, Indiana, which is two and a half hours away. So we know the area well. It's changed so much since we even moved mm-hmm. seven years ago. It's amazing. I would come here and I would photograph the Titans games. Okay. And so I'd come in. It's very easy drive in. and But just downtown, what's going on around here. So we're, we're very interested, yeah. So cool. we might be a resident at some point. Um, so I guess that would the next question is when do you plan to move to Nashville? You're, you're next, giving it next spring. Next spring, all right. And where will you be moving from? From Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, where it's cold and snowy. And they do they do not have good sports teams either. I Just, believe they they do have the Stanley Cup. Uh, actually, I forget. I was going to say that at the beginning. Oh, I already so, mentioned people. Made about this time last year, mm-hmm. we met in Franklin. Yep. And you had just got through taking some. Pictures. Something was going on down Yeah, what were you taking a picture of? Stanley Cup Finals. Yeah, that was... Did Next, y'all... We won last year, right? You won game four. No, we won it all, didn't we? Not oh, yet. no, that's going to be this year. <laughs> the pictures that I have... The pictures that I have, it's Sidney Crosby holding the cup. That's the ones that I have. I'm not sure what happened otherwise, but that's that's what I saw. That's all. Weren't you supposed to be uh, photographing... All teams or just Pittsburgh? Well, no, it's it's both whoever wins. Both, it's, yeah. You know, yeah. The game. A, it was a good picture. It was a good picture. Thank you. Um, so, if you were to move here, what part of Nashville, knowing what you do know in areas, where do you think you would? Yeah, we're looking. We're looking south. We're looking in the Franklin area, where mm-hmm. I think everybody in the world is moving to. It sounds like, um, but you know, it's just there's so much there that we yeah. we love. So many people. You know, we, we're going to move in with friends right. and friends for our kids, and yeah. it's going to be a. A pretty natural transition. So that's yeah. where we're looking. But we're, I, I love the downtown feel. Yeah. 
that's what's cool about Franklin. You know, you got Nashville that has a lot of, you know, historic homes. Yeah. I started to say vintage. You know, and so none of the cities surrounding really have that feel that Franklin has. Yeah. Plus, you have all the more commercialized restaurants and stuff if you like it. So, yeah. Um, so you've made several trips here. What's one of your favorite restaurants so far? That's a great question. I, I don't know. I, I well, I'll, I'll, I'll go with an, with an easy one. Dan Miller, who uh, is a good friend. I'm in his mastermind. Uh-huh. Um, we always go to Garcia's <laughs> with the last two times we've met. So I've, I've taken a liking for that. There's just so much. Um, oh, we did go. I can't remember the name of the place. It was just a sandwich shop in Franklin, but it was like yes. the best. It was a portobello chicken sandwich. That's where we met, right? I don't think that was. I went with did, Kyle. But a friend didn't I meet you there with Jamie? No, so, was, oh, that what was that place? That was a different place. Um, oh, yeah, totally now we're, we're gonna border border Anyways, everybody. But yeah, there's there's more than enough from what yeah. we found. Favorite hobby, if you have one. Oh, I, I try. See, I, I, it's embarrassing this on on your show, but like I try to play the guitar. Okay. Um. So you can play a song for us after. Not you. right now, I won't. <laughs> but I can. I can. <laughs> I'm not gonna go. This is nerve wracking enough being here right in front of you, let alone playing guitar. <laughs> oh, come on now. Um, all right, so tell me something unique about yourself. Something unique about myself. Uh, uh, that I barely graduated from high school. Is that unique enough? That I found out the day before graduation that I was even going to graduate. No, that makes sense. I totally get it now. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, thank you. I, I thought that was pretty unique. Everybody else, you know, I grew up on Long Island in New York, and everybody was, you know, the Ivy League schools, everybody was going to it. I heard all the... And I just never paid attention mm-hmm. for about three and a half years. And then I realized, oh, crap, I haven't paid attention. And literally the day before, I was like, okay, all right, well, what's the next step? Right. And it was kind of the best thing I ever did because, as crazy as it sounds, because it really led me to four years of struggle right. to where I actually got to figure out what I wanted to do as opposed to waking up in 35 and be like, oh, nothing against accountants, being like, right. oh, I'm an account. How did that happen? Right. Because it never would have been where I would have went. Yeah. So having that early struggle right. really made me, forced me to really con- confront some stuff right. that I had to figure out early on right. in life that has that led to momentum. So I'm, gra- cool. I'm grateful for it. Um, yeah, you know, it's kind of funny because I think about that. Like, I just kind of sailed through high school and college and, and was never serious. And I think, what if I was... Because for a while, I regretted not being serious in college to get my engineering degree, okay. which I wanted to design cars. Like, I've always oh. loved cars. Um, that's why, like, I love sports cars. But because I wasn't serious, I didn't make the grades. I had to drop down to business degree. Okay. And, of course, you know, fast forward a few jobs, and finally I'm in real estate. And I wonder now, just like you said, what would happen if he would have actually been serious and now I'd have been stuck in engineering forever and this would have never came. You know what I mean? And, and kind of interesting to think like that. It is because like I, even with our kids, our kids are 12, 10, and 6 and we're really trying to take a different approach because like at 17 years old, I was basically told you need to make that decision mm-hmm. for the rest of your life and I'm like, I can't remember a time in my life that I was any stupider, stupider than I was when I was 17. That is a very good point. Right? That so is it's a very good point. So you're telling me yeah. at the dumbest point in my life I have to make the most <laughs> important decision of my life so I'm kind of glad that I kind of um, just took a yeah. pass on that. That's a really interesting thought. I mean, because you know, I know we've had some conversations about homeschooling yeah. and college and you know, what that, but that's yeah, well, and that's where you know my thought is, and I've I've said I've made this comment to some people is that I would like the kids to you know interns do some shadowing 
in high school, not in college, yeah. you know, but in high school. Go sit with somebody for like a week or something, kind of get an idea. And even though you still won't get the fulfill of it, but at least you have an idea of kind of what you might be getting yourself into. Yeah, you know? just get a, get a taste of it, absolutely. Yeah, that's a very, there, there's probably a reason why, you know, what's your major? I don't know yet. Well, okay, that's pretty normal. Yeah, why you know? yeah, yeah. Right. So where is one of the most exciting places you visited? Oh, we just went on a three month trip. You know about this. We eighteen mm-hmm. states, um, I think forty different cities. I think we went to as a family, and I had never been to Utah. And I don't know if it's the most exciting place. It's probably the opposite, one of the calmer. But we went to Bryce Canyon, Zion mm-hmm. National Park. That's fresh in my mind because I had never seen it. As much travels as I that I think I've been to almost every state, and and that was just that was beautiful. I mean, there's so much. That's even this country, New Orleans. Just you go there, it's like, it's like pick your favorite kid. It's mm-hmm. like there's so many different exciting right. places to go to. I mean, I'm from New York, so that to me is just normal. Like when people go there, they go, oh, I don't know how you live there. Like, it's just normal. I grew up there, but I go back and I go, this is right. an exciting place. Right. But right. when you grow up with it, it's kind of like, okay, it's pretty, yeah. pretty, pretty yeah. normal. Utah's beautiful. Couple of minutes, just kind of give me an overview of like Vincent, What what is he doing now? Oh, great. Uh, I am a husband, 15 years, my beautiful wife, Elizabeth. Um, we have three boys, Andrew, Nolan, and Dylan, and we homeschool. This has been the last three years. So it's really, it's a constant transition in terms of what we're doing. Even like, I've been a photographer for 23 years, but that's really phasing out towards what we're doing now. It's the type of thing where, when I was a photographer, I loved it, but I always felt kind of alone. Like you're behind the camera, watching somebody else's life. And even with sports, like you're kind of like a, a foot away from the players, but a million miles away at the same time. You're not part of it. And I always like being a part of it. I like the conversations. So that's where everything's going now in terms of this platform that we're building in terms of just, we've noticed so many people that they're in these jobs, that they make good money, and it's what they were supposed to do, kind of like we were just talking about, but they're unfulfilled. Mm-hmm. And, and how do you get out of something like that? Like I'm already, I'm making $100,000, but I'm miserable, but I'm supporting a family like this, but I want to do something different. Right. And I love figuring that out. I love getting in there and digging in and having those conversations and realizing that we have so many more talents than we realize mm-hmm. and interests that we can do. Right. And it, just digging into there and just asking those, like you said, those, those tough questions to keep going. So, I mean, I could do that all day long. So yeah. that's, that's really where my life is right now. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I like that. So let's go back 70 years. You 70 pick- <laughs> or 7 or 8? What did you just say? I said 70. That makes it like oh. really old. Wow. What was that? That was we'll, baby. We'll like 30, I was a baby. Years. Let's go back 70 years. You pick up some of your childhood photo albums and yearbooks. As you flip through the pages, who are some, of, who are some people that would stand out as having helped shape you into your teen years? That's a really good question because... Aside from my family, I don't have very many acquaintances from those years. Mm-hmm. Like it was like high school for me was a was a relatively lonely time. I had a lot of I had a lot of fun friends. I guess is the best way to put it. Um, but there was it was kind of empty to me. So I don't look back on that with complete fondness. At that time, in my life, junior high to high school, it was more anxiety and um, uncomfortableness and, and the unknown than like. You know, you see Stand By Me, where they go, oh, your best friends are when you're 12 years old. Like, I didn't, that wasn't me. Um, so, looking back on the photo albums, it's kind of bittersweet, I would think, because you have good memories of family and things that you did there, but it's probably the time of my life that I was the most unsure, uncomfortable, 
and just lost. Hmm. Interesting. You think it was just more a lot more shallow relationships? Yeah. Which I don't know how in-depth as a kid you get. I don't know about shallow because I was just there with it. I think you just don't know. Yeah. I think you're, you're following what you're supposed to be following and you don't really know why. And there's just a lot of dynamics, you know. You have a brother who's doing different stuff and your parents and they're going through. My parents went through. I mean, my parents, my dad lost his business when I was 15 or 16 years old. Like, uh-huh. And, you know, so my dad, I mean, literally lost all their money. We almost lost our house. Um, this is at 15. So now I'm lending my dad money at certain points. We're going through all these different things. So it was, you know, I, I, I had a great childhood, but I don't look back and like, wow, that was the wonder years. I don't, I don't see it that way. Right. So, right. well, and you know, you kind of jumped, you must've read my questions as a teenager. I hacked it. So that was kind of your childhood as a teenager. Tell me about the day your dad was stuck on the couch all day. How did that season in your family's life impact who you are today? It does seem like I stole the question. I didn't mm-hmm. steal the question. Yeah. It, it, it impacts my life. Impacts my life in so many ways because I was a normal teenage kid and my dad had his own business and I knew nothing about it. I didn't pay attention to it. I wasn't interested in it. You know, I was a kind of a typical, you know, selfish teenager. And one day my dad was just laying on the couch, just face down. And I went to school and I came back and he was still there. And my mom was at work and I was like, what? And the next day was the same thing. And it turned out that his partner in his business literally emptied out the bank accounts, $135,000, it's 1986, and moved to a different state. And this was in construction, so it wasn't just money, but they had all these jobs that were unfinished. Hazmat, you know, all these, like, serious... And you have no money to do anything. You got, you can't clean it up, you can't get rid of it. Lawsuits, uh, there was a lien placed against the house. I mean, I remember them looking for apartments. We were going to lose our house. We were going to have to move. So that really, my brother wasn't around. You know, he was, he was basically, I think, graduating from high school at that point. He was, he was out of the house a lot. And I don't know if it affected him the same way it did to me, but I saw, you know, money meant a lot to me at that point, like handling money, paying attention, like not wanting that for my kids. Not that my dad did anything wrong to us, but how it affected our family. Like, I didn't have the grades to go to college, but they were trying to get me to go, and they wouldn't be able to do it anyway. If that would have... So there were so many... I mean, those two years just shaped... Like, and so at that point, like, I, I, like I never got a credit card. I didn't get a car loan. I was like, I'm going to... So even when I didn't make very much money, I had control of my money. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it allowed us to really kind of allowed me to really kind of get this mindset of like controlling your money first because then you can kind of control your life which has led to what we're doing now so even when things were poor and I wasn't making very much money it was never much of a struggle because of money wasn't a big deal it, 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 it's under control I don't even need that much to survive and then I get to do what I want to do the things that I want to do will eventually I'm sure lead to those things but I wasn't going to have the stuff first and have that mm-hmm. own me so I just, just a lot of parallels in life to what, what he went through and the struggles that he had to deal with. Which is cool because I guess that's where you said that you're more kind of on the journey of the time freedom because through that lesson, you learned a lot of the, lot of stuff to create financial freedom. Mm-hmm. And, but then it was stuck in a job and yeah. you know, so now it's, it's, it's moving forward in that. So if you have a few tickets to the seventh game of the Stanley Cup Finals to see the Pittsburgh Steelers, not that they would ever make it that far again. And you could only invite people that had a huge impact on your life. Who would they be and why? How many tickets? 
Um, yeah, as many as you want. I mean, it's you know, you got two, three. We could, I can probably get you up to five. Okay, well, be, it would be my family. It would be my wife and kids. Obviously, they would, they would you know, because those experiences together are are key. When we, when we do things like that, when we travel, I just know, like, I don't remember, except for maybe a leather jacket, I don't remember Christmas gifts. I just don't. I remember the trip that we took to California when I was 12. I remember everything about it. I remember the pool at the hotel. I remember driving through San Francisco. I remember we went down to Tijuana, and I hated it. I was like, this is, this is awful. It was like, I, I remember the different places we went to. So I want that for our family. And... I don't want them to be spoiled at all. I don't want it to be like life is just a picnic that people just give you stuff, but we, we earn this stuff, we work for it. But it would be it would be Elizabeth and the boys that we would have that memory. Because I can imagine 20 years from now, when they're married and they have kids, and those conversations and those fondness of it, and them wanting to do that for their kids. Yeah. So that would be... Well, and I, I like that because I think about some of the presents we've gotten our kids and I think up to this point, Bryce still, he's kind of somewhat blues in Santa. But, you know, you go spend 80 bucks on a Lego set. Guess what? Legos are all over the place now. Mm. Or this robot one, one year we spent like 80 bucks, and they never played with it. And it's literally like throwing money away. So, you know, I think about that. It's like, you know, make experiences, mm -hmm. you know. And I think more people, I'm, I'm hearing about more people doing it, but it's a good reminder to me. It's like... You know, I guess that could be a good reason, too, of going, Just let's just scratch Santa Claus. Because let's just say there is no Santa Claus, uh -oh. but this is Christmas. It's about giving. So let's give an experience. You well, know? What we did this year, was, which was kind of out of necessity, but it worked out really well, we were leaving for this trip on January 1st. So it was like, well, they're going to get these gifts so they can use them for a week and then leave them behind for three months. So what we did was we picked out all the things we wanted to do in these three months in Arizona and California, and either we got tickets or we printed out flyers. Mm -hmm. And they, when they opened it up, it was like, we're going to go to this observatory. We're going to go to Legoland. So it was all about, first of all, delayed gratification, but like these things that we're going to do as a family as opposed to just some plastic thing that you're going to open up. So do they believe in Santa Claus? Partially. Okay. Because you would have to shift a little bit, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, Some do, some don't. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's. it's but I, I got to give, give you a hard time though, because the Steelers <laughs> wouldn't be playing in the Stanley Cup final. It would be the Penguins. So. Oh man, did I say? <laughs> oh, I said the Steelers. I meant the Penguins. Dang it! What did gotcha. I? Gotcha. What did I write down here? I wait. No, I said the Pittsburgh. Go back and. I did. I did actually have Pittsburgh Penguins. You were, you were thinking I, football. I you must have football said on Steelers. So I can't even read. Isn't that funny <laughs> that I'm sitting there reading a question and I said the Steelers. Uh, yeah, so that's that's what the I, next championship. <laughs> that's what I meant. You just wrote a book. You have the freedom to travel the world. You are in such a great place, and you have such a positive story to tell. Your platform is growing, and I am sure many people think you have the perfect life. Let's give the audience a reality check. Tell me some of the struggles of this so-called perfect life. There's not a perfect life. That's and then and you know I kind of I kind of brush against that because I'm like everybody's looking at everybody else and saying oh they've got it and I even think where I'm at right now is kind of like 10 years ago 12 years ago if you said this is what it's going to be would you sign up for it I'd sign up for it in a heartbeat it would have been everything that I would have wanted 12 years ago let me go we'll be able to do this but that's boring because when you get there there's nothing more boring than getting somewhere and then just okay that's it like we, we got to photograph John Mellencamp 
years ago when he was in Evansville. And we got to interview him. And they said, they were kind of asking him about that. They said, well, you've been to the top. Isn't it different now? Like, you're not selling the same amount of records. And he said something to the effect of, like, I've been to the top and there's nothing up there. I know what it's like. He loves their journey of it. So there's no perfect life. Like, we deal with everything everybody else deals with. We deal with the son that doesn't want to get up in the morning. You know, we deal with marriage issues. Like, us, am I as attentive as I should be? Am I too involved in the business? When I, I mean, I have the freedom that I don't have to be, but I love doing it. And so sometimes I'll go way too far in that direction. Am I paying enough attention to Elizabeth? Am I, am I doing the things? Am I being as good of a dad? Am I being as good of a friend? Could I be building this in a better, bigger way as opposed to the way that I'm growing it? It's like, there's no such thing. And, and the people that we look up and we think, oh, they have it. Like, we got to meet Tim Ferriss and he said it. It was, it was so good to hear him say it where he said, everybody that you think is like the superstar, they're so great at, they figured one thing out or two things out to do like world class, but they struggle with everything else like we do. But we figured something else out. I mean, he's single at 39, right? So he uh, maybe wants to be married or not, but some of us have figured out a relationship thing that he hasn't figured out, but he's figured out the podcast like we have it. It's like, mm-hmm. I think if we all get the potential, like, like, yeah, this guy does this girl, that girl does that awesome, but everybody's struggled with something. Yep. Well, and, and it's interesting you say that because actually this morning, Aaron's Facebook Live was about redlining and how you got to take a break. And so when I, when I listened to it, it made me think about if you're redlining over here, say what you're doing, you're super excited about. Mm-hmm. You know, you're meeting all these people, you're impacting lives, and you could just run forward. And if you have something over here, say your marriage, that is kind of, you know, struggling, but you know, she's not pushing back on you. It's just okay. So yeah. you're just going full steam ahead when you're about the red line because you need to create that balance, yep. you know, of keeping her in there. So, yeah, it's a, it's, you know, I'd imagine if somebody, I don't know if I would say this, the thought of it always being like that, but if you're like 100% excellent over here, you probably got something else. Always. And, and it will be forever. And, you, and and understand that and embracing that, I think that's when you kind of go, okay, I'm cool with it. It's never going to be perfect. No matter all these things that I go to do, if they work out, there will still be something. And I look at it like that guitar, and I always have, where it's like tuning a guitar. When you tune it, mm-hmm. you know there's a natural. It sounds sweet when you play that chord, but it always goes out of tune. Mm-hmm. So you constantly have to keep retuning it. And that's right. the way I see this. It's constant retuning. Yeah, it's funny. I was uh, when I was interviewing Chad Jeffers. I had a question about the tuning of the guitar and life strings or something. Oh, is that right? Know? Yeah, and he's like, "Did you did you read something? Because he's I think kind of writing a book or something about." Is that right? Yeah, something like that. I was like, "No, no." In your book, you wrote, "So I sat at the circular wooden table alone, alone and full of regrets. These weren't regrets of failure." They were regrets of never trying. I angrily admitted that I cared more about sports and music than my own life. I remembered that my friend Ben asked after I got upset watching my favorite team, the Pittsburgh Steelers, lose a game, why do you care so much when these athletes are driving home to their mansions? He asked, do you think they're upset about how you did at work today? My question to you, Vincent, is, how do you pull yourself out of that mindset? If you are trapped in a life that you don't want to live, rather it be a job, debt, or something else, how do you break free from something better? That's a great question because it's so often it's just mindset. 
it's how it's how you've been trained and how you believe. So many people think they can't even do it before they've tried, and they've been so institutionalized, often with their job or with their debt. Like how many people think it's normal? You know, everybody's got two car payments and a student loan. I'll have it till I die, and that's just the way everybody has it. And I think it's so often the people you run with. Like I think back to you said like high school, like you know nothing against my friends, they were fun. But they weren't really, I wasn't really going in a good direction. And I, I'm just as much fault, if not any, more than that, because it's my life, right? But when I started hanging around with different people, people that didn't make those excuses, people that didn't accept normal, like I am so against normal in so many ways where, you know, I don't accept that. And the more you do it, the more you realize, oh my goodness, this really works. So you push it even more and more and more. So I challenge everything. Like my friend Ben, that guy Ben you were talking about, him and my brother used to joke around with me, like my nickname was Why, because I'd always be like, like I'm gonna go and I'm like, well, why? I'm like, why do you always have to ask why? Like I was always curious, like I never wanted to just do what everybody else did. Right. So even right. now with what I'm doing, the people are like, you need to do Facebook, I don't want, I don't want to. It's not the way I want to do it, why? Like, and I, I, cause I'm on a question, just because everybody's doing it, is that why I want to do it because I, this is really what I want to do right. and how I want to do it. So I really think the people that you hang around with and really you're just mindset. This is what we're teaching our 12 year old. We want to teach a growth mindset, but he really has more of a fixed mindset. And it's the way that I probably raised him early on that developed that before I kind of learned it. And it's the type of thing where it's like, when you have a growth mindset, everything is possible and, and everything is pliable. You can change, but when you go, no, this is the way we always do it. This is your company or family. This is the way my grandmother did it. It's like, well, have you ever thought if it's even a good idea? Mm -hmm. Just because grandma did it? Like, is that, you know, now I'm not against family traditions, but it's just think. It, right. Is it? So that's, I, I like to just kind of shift the paradigm on that stuff right. because when you're stuck in the same thing over and over again, you, you have to make a change. Otherwise, you're not, nothing's going to be any different. Mm -hmm. Which is interesting, you know, just the sports aspect because I think we can get so sucked into sports, whether it's living it through our kids or like I, you know, used to be a, I wouldn't say a fanatic, but I spent way, way me, too much me time too. You and me both. in Razorback, you know, just watching it, reading it. And it's like you'd read six articles and they would change one word and you just couldn't get enough, you know. And now that I don't even have the, I've read maybe one or two articles in probably three years. I'm still a Razorback fan. It's so much nicer to be doing something different, and you can go and support your team, but not be sucked in it. You know, I, so I, I was I was the biggest sports fan you could imagine, and I think the the game six of the finals last year here was the first hockey game that I watched last year. I didn't shoot one. I got hired for the last game, and I had I'm like, there you know I'm I'm 46. I have three kids. I have a family. I have a million things to do. No team, bless their hearts, but no team is worth three and a half hours of my night any longer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it shouldn't have yeah. been then, but then everything that comes with it. The but it was talk. it was normal. It's it normal. Was, it was normal because exactly, right? that's where all my right. friends were as well that I was, and and, and there's nothing wrong with it because it led to some great stories yes, and some great right. knowledge. I wouldn't have known this now if I didn't do that then. So I have no right. regrets about it. But right now, I can't see the value in doing it. Right. It's yeah. just not worth my time. Yeah, I'm with you. I even flipped on the Predators game the other night, and I was doing something and watched a little bit. And with hockey's so. I guess because it's such a slow-scoring game yeah. that it's like maybe unless you're there, it's just kind of like baseball. Yeah, you know, I think it's I think those yeah, are, atmosphere. 
Yeah, I think those are more about the experience of being there versus watching on TV. Well, yeah. and, Whereas and, like basketball, it's like shoot, 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 or you know, football is more, you know, uh, active. So, I, you know, it depends. And like I, I don't, I love being outside with the kids, playing a game right. with the game on the radio. It's not like we get, I get to hear it, and we get to do something. But sitting passively doesn't just do it right. for me anymore. Right. You have a job to do, but you have challenges you have to push through. Tell me about your gold dust challenge and also about the game you had to shoot when you were sick as a dog. Oh, well, the, he got me again, gold dust. Gold dust is a, is a wrestler for in the World Wrestling Federation. I used to be a contract photographer for way back, 20 years ago. And, I mean, you want me to tell that story? <laughs> yeah, well, and, you know, and, and obviously that was an ongoing thing. Yeah. And so, you know, with that story, like, how do you push through those challenges of, say, working with a boss that you know, you don't like, but yeah. it's just part of life and you have to keep moving forward. Well, just so anybody listening, uh, one of the wrestlers, they, I didn't know it, but one of the wrestlers threatened my life the first time I was on assignment for the world. Name Gold is he's six foot five, 240 pounds. And he told me the first night that I was there, if I ever see you again, I'm going to kill you. So I'm scared out of my mind. You know, I'm five foot nothing. I'm five, nine, five, ten. I'm the, what am I going to do? And, uh, so I went out to the ring and I, you know, for the match, and I thought he was going to use me as a prop. I really thought he was going to throw me in the ring, and he was going to, you know, beat my head in, and nobody would even know because it's part of the show. So the next to then he told me that he got fined $10,000 for messing with me, and he wasn't going to forget it, and he always kind of messed with me. So this went on for two years when I would work. You know, the work, you know, I went back to school, so I didn't work as much, but every single time. So on my last assignment, they hired me to do a documentary three-day documentary throughout New York at the different events, and that's when they told the story of the photographers that that was my initiation, that was a prank, that they all concocted together. But the problem was I told them was that they never told me it was a prank. They forgot to tell me it was a prank. They were supposed to tell me. They meant to. A couple days later, well, I went on for two years thinking this guy wanted to kill me. So in terms of my lesson from that, it was no matter how scared you are, which I was, I really, I mean, I remember calling my boss, I remember calling some of my friends, like, you're not going to go back, are you? I'm like, I've got a flight to San Antonio on Saturday, I have to go. So I think facing that, knowing that this big giant wants to kill you and you still show up and you realize life keeps going on and you keep doing your job and you get to handle things with the adversity going on, it kind of gives you the confidence of like, all right, like I handled that, mm -hmm. then what's the next one? And I think you just get hardened with that. You almost automatically don't realize it, but you're pushing through fear. Yeah. You know? Yeah, because I could have, I could have very easily said, I don't want to do it. Yeah. I, I, and then the, the one with, you know, I, I basically had um, a disc split yes, in my okay, back. that's what it was, right. And I had an assignment to photograph a Penguins game, and it was my first assignment for Getty Images, a major news organization, and it leads to great stuff. And I couldn't, we did a wedding the night before. It was 1.30 in the morning. I couldn't move. I literally, I was sitting on the side of the stage while Elizabeth shot the wedding. I was in so much pain that every step I took was like a shooting pain down my leg, sciatic nerve. It was, I've never felt anything like that. And the game starts at one o'clock the next day. And Elizabeth's like, you can't do the game. I'm like, I have to. If I turn it down, I'll never work for them again. And so I went and did the game and I went through all the pain. I mean, grunting, sweat, all of it. And when the game ended, um, I was so tired and so in so much pain that I just decided to stay in my spot, which is on the ice with a hole in the glass. And normally I'd be gone, but I waited and they did the three stars of the game. And the third star was Sidney Crosby. And he comes around, they turn the lights out to do the spotlight. And I get a picture of him, lift his stick up. He looks right at me, split second, boom. And then I transmit that picture. I go home, I lay in bed in pain, start recovering. And two months later I get an email and it's from my boss at Getty Images saying congrats. 
Now, for 18 years, I wanted to get a picture in Sports Illustrated, like a major picture. I've had small ones. And, he go, and I said, what happened? He goes, you got, you got a two-page spread in Sports Illustrated. I was like, really? I said, okay, what picture? And he sends me the clip, and it's that picture. Mm-hmm. It was that picture of Crosby with the stick in the air. And I just sat back, and I was like, I was so grateful right. for all that pain because if it wasn't for the it was a, if it was a normal life, I would have gotten right up, and I would have went and transferred another pictures, never thought about it. And that moment, my Sports Illustrated moment would have happened, and I would have been gone. I wouldn't have got that. Nobody would have got it because nobody would have been in my spot. Because of all that pain, I got to achieve one of the major goals that I wanted with my career. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and you want to spin into a positive, like, that's a great story to me now. That was one of the worst physical times of my life. But I look back on it with, you know, with gratefulness because right. of what happened. Right. Yeah, that's awesome. I really, I love that when I read that. Um, and then actually a gold dust got you again, right? You met he him recently? He did. Well, I went to give him a book, right? Because we're on this thank you totally. Every, and no joke, like... He's this big, imposing guy. And John is my buddy. He runs the photo for WWF. So, you know, I go backstage, you know, when, when they're in town or when I'm in town. And he goes, he goes I said, can I give a book to, to Dustin? Dustin Runnels is his name. And he goes, you want me to go get him? So we're sitting there. I'm talking with the other photographers. Just I'm giving him a couple of books. And he shows up and he walks right up to me. You know, I've met him. You know, I've seen him every time I'm at a show. We always talk and we take our picture together. And he's all serious. And he looks me right in the eye and he goes, who told you I could, you could, you could put my story in your book? And I was like, all of a sudden, I kind of stopped and like sweats going down my back and everybody's staring at me. And I'm like, I don't even work here anymore. And he's like, no, I'm serious. I'm like, I didn't give you permission to put it in the book. Who told you you could put it in the book? So about 20 seconds, just staring at each other. <laughs> and then he just gets the biggest smile on his face. And he gives me a big hug. And he got, I'm like, you got me again. I can't believe 20 years later, you got me again. I was like. So they just had to, but that luckily, luckily nobody got it on video. Well, yeah, so no, that's. I remember thinking, I was like, oh my gosh, that would have been like awesome. Well, John, he didn't want to, he didn't want to blow the moment, so he kind of just stood there with his mouth. Oh open. man, somebody should have been more incognito. Uh, I know. That I'm glad been awesome. they didn't. Um, with all you have going on and all the influential people you have in your life, how do you keep focus on? what you think is important and table other great ideas. We kind of, you kind of mentioned this earlier, but you know, when the normal is doing this, you know, how do you, how do you, you know, focus on what is important, but then also realizing that there are some great ideas that maybe you should grab onto. Like as we were having a conversation uh, last week about potential podcasts, you know, so, but how do you, you that's the hardest part. That is, that is the tuning the guitar is the hardest part because there are so, because you know, you know this, like, with success brings success. Like, when I was struggling, there were no opportunities. Nobody wanted to interview me for a podcast. Well, there weren't podcasts, you know. Right. It, it was the type of thing where it was, you know, you just kind of just fumble along. But things start happening. And you and I have talked about this. I don't take any of it very seriously. I really don't. Because I know, I've seen it. It's kind of like, yeah, things are going well. You know, you have a good atmosphere. It's like... That's not, I love the movie Rockstar with Mark Wahlberg because of that. Like when he was in the biggest band in the world that he wanted to be in, everybody was around, but it wasn't the life that he wanted, right? It was the life that he really wanted was leaving that stage, which he thought was the dream job and playing in that coffee shop for 50 people playing his real music in his real clothes. I don't know that I've seen that movie. Oh, it's, it's, it, it sounds cheesy, but it really is, is a great message. With this type of thing, it's like, I don't take it too seriously. So we can joke around about you want to do these things, you want to help people, but there's so many things I could do now. I could do the podcast, I could do the speaking, I could, but I know family is first, and so everybody's like, you know, I could be growing my platform bigger, I could be doing a live video daily, I could do, but 
I love the slow and steady progress. And Elliot, and you're doing blogs every day. No, I'm not. <laughs> you, you told me I shouldn't. I did it for six days. But, you know, but again, you gauged and said, you know what? This is probably getting your way of your experience. It was. That's, so. We were on this road trip, and I planned on blogging every day, and I was like, I'm not taking the time away from going hiking with the kids to pump out a blog for everybody. Because I had people tell me, oh, you need to do live videos and every they day. they were good, yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that. But, you know, I, I wasn't doing the whole, like, get a GoPro and document. We took pictures, and we posted here and there, but the point of the trip was to have a family experience. Which is really interesting because I have to remind my wife at times with the phone and the camera accessible all the time. Mm -hmm. It's like, be in the moment. Yep. Like, you don't have to take a picture of it all. And it, so it's funny coming from you, who you and your wife are t uh, professional photographers, yep. that you, I mean, are you still like struggle with wanting to capture every moment through a lens no, or? No, no we, we, we know what we need to get to remember it by and we'll do certain things you know we'll know the light's good the moment's good but we are not like even when we're at school when we we're at journalism school like there were so many photographers that their camera was always around their neck and it annoyed the crap out of me i'm like can you can we just eat a burrito right can we just go and this was you know 1999 but was, you could have taken a really cool shot of the burrito. i don't <laughs> or each other talking on the call i'm like come like there are time and place for everything yes. and so i think i do a pretty decent job of balancing out not a great job at staying in my lanes. Ken Carfagno, who's on our mastermind together, you know, he's so good at staying in lanes. Like, I need to do this, and, and like, he's, but he's an engineer. I'm like, can you teach me some of that? Because I'm not. Right, right. You know, right. I can really go off on rabbit trails. But I, I'm learning daily, like, okay, you know, my family's first. The people that invest in what I'm doing come next. The people that I want to help after that. But I have to know that I'm not going to neglect mm -hmm. the people that are really a part of my life and, and, and contributing for the ones that aren't well and i think the cool thing is is that you go do a blog that's great but then you realize no nope, not doing it right now yep. so to have that balance or at least it's like all right I'm, i might try some things but if it doesn't work out i'm not afraid to stop exactly you know? and, and the book was the perfect example i had the idea for this book years before i wrote it but i knew it wasn't the time so but what i'll do is the one thing i think that works really well is i have my future list mm -hmm. not yet I should really call it my not yet list. This will happen, just not yet. Like the podcast is coming up now. I know it's time, but now six there months is ago. there is that balance because you knew okay it wasn't the time. Yeah, at the same time having men in your life that says that encourage you to hey it is the time right. Men, men, and it was, yeah, and women, it was, it was my wife. Yeah. It was we were on vacation. Sorry, and, yeah. and, no, but no. In, in general, I get you. But you know, we were on vacation. I had talked about this, but I had said the title over and over, and she, you know, and she's so patient. And she finally said to me, she goes, I'm taking the kids to the beach. I want you to go to the coffee shop and start writing the book. I'm tired of you talking about it. And that's kind of where we're at now with doing a podcast. It's like, okay, I've had enough people. Now, is she encouraging you to podcast too? Yes. Or, okay. Yeah, but, but four months ago, it was, where are you going to find the time for this? So I, right. you know, she is my moral compass. Like, you, you're right. Like, I'm, it's going to be another thing that's going to stretch me. Like, I need to do what I can do the best. Right. And then if I could do that and we get that, it's kind of like the whole airplane taking off. Once it's level and you could pay attention to it, but it doesn't require all your energy, then you can bring in the next thing. And I love the next thing because it keeps the energy going. I don't right. want to right. be stagnant. Right. So uh, you have one life to live. How are you intentionally using it to impact others in a positive way? That's a great question. I, I heard something, I think it was on John Lee Dumas on his podcast, and he basically said the best, I'm not sure who said it, but it the best person to be is to be the one that helps the person where you used to be. Hmm. And I like that. Yeah. 
and I want to be that. Like it's you know you get to the point where the selfishness starts just day by day going away. Like and I will be the first to tell you I'm a very selfish person. You know, but I know that that never got me the things that I was selfish about, the things that I wanted from being selfish. And like, no, if you do the things for others that you need. And you put that time into it. All that stuff comes out. It's very Zig Ziglar-like. You know, you can have right. anything you want in life if you just help enough other people. Now, that's a line if you just use it in terms of like, oh, that'll help me grow my business, right? But when you really start just living by it, it really works. So I'm just trying. I see so many people that were at where I was at. And I learned so much that I can, in the conversation, help them. And that's what I should be using it for. Yeah, it's actually quite selfish. Like with the book, if your wife's like, hey, just write it. And you're like, no, yet you have that much wisdom in you that you don't want to share with people, you know? So it was a good thing you did. That's a hard thing to say about yourself, right? It's like, oh, I have all this wisdom to share. No, but when people are telling you, like I got a message this morning, literally before we met, like Joe, who runs a very popular podcast, he's like, you need to start a podcast. Mm, really? So yeah, that I'll show you. From, well, we're already telling you that. I, but it's <laughs> but but it was but I think with me it's the same thing with the book. I need to have that critical mass of like okay, oh yeah, I've I've delayed long enough. I've got enough feedback. I've got enough. I mean, I, I have enough content for three years at this point. Mm-hmm. Just like I, I had I had seventy five percent of that book written out in idea form before I started writing. It was just a matter of just getting it all out of my head now. Speaking of that, uh, tell me why you think financial freedom is so important. What is so freeing about not owing anybody money or being free with your time? It's a it's good question because it's not what I think people would think. It's not about stuff. It's not about buying stuff. We're not wealthy. You know, we don't live in the most beautiful house, but we don't owe anybody any money. I don't have to answer to anybody about money. The freeness that comes from that is not from, okay, now I can buy a car or I can go on that vacation. It is, I get to control my time. And with that time is I get to really get mental space. And that is the key because that allows me to be a better dad. I get to be more present. I'm not thinking about how I'm paying that bill when I'm playing Legos. I get to pay more attention to my wife, to my friends. I get to help other people in a way that's not sleazy. That's not, oh, I need you, I need you to sign up for my thing right now. You know, I need you to buy, you know, mm-hmm. I get to do it the way that I want to do it. But I couldn't do that if I needed 10 grand a month to pay out first before I could be helpful. Yeah, it's cool you say that because I was just listening to a podcast, Donald Miller's podcast with Bob Golf, mm-hmm. And he had in there because he was, you know, he's just, he's, he's available. You know, have the freedom to be available. Yes. So it makes me think of that, just having the freedom of going, you know, you got a nine to five job. And obviously many people have to have that, but if you, you have an important call and I can't, I can't take it because mm-hmm. I don't know whatever you're doing, but, um, but just to have that financial freedom to where at least maybe you don't have to work on weekends, you know? Yeah. So, or, or, you know, I drove here yesterday, I had five phone calls, you know, I'm a coach, but none of them were coaching calls. They were just catching up with people and it was freeing to be able to just do that and to have that conversation. Who knows? They could lead to clients later on. Maybe I help them. Who knows? But Mm-hmm. When you have that freedom, you can just do it, and then things just kind of organically happen from there. And it probably, obviously, it does start with the financial freedom. Yeah. Because, you know, then that just allows so much more, and then you got more time freedom. Which is crazy, because in our group, you know, Ken talked about how his 13-year-old son, they opened a bank account with $1,000. And I joked, I said, you are in better financial shape than most adults. Mm-hmm. Because most adults do not have a $1,000 net worth. They own, they owe more than that. Like, they might 
own a $370,000 house, but they have 20 grand in equity and a $40,000 car payment and blah, blah, blah. And oh, maybe 30 grand saved for retirement, like at 40, right? And he's 13 years old with a thousand dollar net worth. I'm like, yep. if we can start teaching that, which mm-hmm. is where we're going, I think that you can change the world that way. Yeah. So you're giving a commencement speech to some of the brightest minds in college to save them from some of the mistakes you made. What advice would you give them regarding parenting, marriage, or business? Business-wise, <laughs> I, I hate to say it, but I almost get a time machine because you're probably already 150 grand in debt from this college degree that we're talking about. And think about that. Because it's not just the money, it's the time. Because like, we talk about, like this is something that I would teach is... With our sons, we're, we're, we're teaching them to start businesses now and fail. Like I would almost rather them take the money that was saved for college at 18, start a business, completely fail, lose all that money, come back at 22 with no money but all that knowledge and then start another one as opposed to just going to college and doing you know keg stands. Right. Because I think we've kind of been, again, institutionalized where that's what you have to do. And there's, you know, I'm not saying it's... It's really kind of evil the way it's done, but I think it's just a big, giant business, not well, just education. isn't it interesting, you know, the housing market, how it fell in 07, mm-hmm. because the banks just gave everybody a loan. Yep. And so now you got how much people are walking away from college with student loans. Student loans. Because, oh, you need this much, and you think you need to go to for this college. For a degree and what? And I'm not against college. Right. But it's not for it's, everybody, and we've made it for everybody. And, like, with our kids, I mean, Andrew's our oldest. He's 12. It's already changed since he was six, and we thought about it. How much difference is going to be in six years? I mean, we're doing this. You're, you're doing this podcast. You're interviewing, like, the brightest minds in Nashville, right? Me excluded. And... They're giving you the, the time, they're giving you like instant time, like their wisdom. Like in, on my phone on Stitcher, I get more information, more mm-hmm. knowledge right. than I ever got at college. And you don't even need that much to do it. Right. Right? Do we really need to spend four or five, six years unless you are working on my brain? Right. Right? right. Yep. Or a certain other couple of things you do need that for. But in terms of business, do you really need that? Can you not get coaching from somebody who's done exactly what you want to do and go in that direction and spend a decent amount of money, but not close to what you'd spend. Which isn't interesting even to think too, though, like a brain surgeon, what if they created a platform, mm-hmm. a podcast, a, yeah, you know what teaching. I mean? Cause really, you know, a teacher is educated in whatever they're teaching, Yeah, which is you become, you know, uh, a teacher in financial freedom yeah. because that was your life and you've learned all about it. And we keep studying. Yeah. So it's, it, yeah. We, and we've talked about this before. It, it'll be interesting because, you know, at what point, you know, does the, the demand for college go down? So that, that easy money that people walk out. I mean, I've, I've known a, a handful of that have had jobs probably making 50,000 bucks and they're owing a hundred $50,000. You know, it's crazy. And how many people would you talk to now that the reason why they will not leave their job to do their dream yeah, thing is yeah. because of their student loans? <laughs> Literally, their student loans are the thing that are holding them from doing what they really want. Like, how backwards is that? Yeah, it's, so. it's interesting. Um, very interesting. Okay, marriage, though. Yeah, nice oh, to yeah. get back on marriage yeah. and, and parenting. Most important there? In terms of the, the commencement speech? Yes. I think... I heard something where they said 90% of your happiness or sorrow will come from the person that you met, like come directly from the, 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 the marriage that you get into. I know so many people that are brilliant, nice, but they got into the wrong 
relationship and it derailed everything. So I'm fortunate in my life to have found somebody that is so loving and giving and helpful. So the person that you wind up with is vital to how your life is going to be. Mm-hmm. It really is. It's not just, you know, oh, they're cute or there's this or that. Like, there's a lot. And, and, and I got very lucky. I got very lucky because it could have went a whole different direction, judging by my pet. Her not so lucky, but you, her not yes, so lucky. Yeah, but right. somebody's got to get lucky. Right, right. You know, it was me. Um, but I think that's a key part of it is in terms of finding somebody that is going to. And it's hard. Like you couldn't. Right. Have, you could. I couldn't have said it twenty. Like I would know. Mm-hmm. You just don't. There's. I don't know if there's. I don't know. That's one thing. It's. It's a great conversation because I don't know. Right. Is there's. They're just. You know. You don't know how much that person's going to want to grow. They might have been a great person at 24, but at 44, they're the same exact person. And you are not. And there's a, there's a, so there's a lot of unknown in there. In terms of parenting, I just think it's living by example. I think it's being honest with your kids. It's not, with our kids, I don't think I know so often. I mean, you know, you're saying things like, do I really know what I'm doing? I've never done this before. But I just know that if I'm true to them and I spend time with them, which is what I always wanted, was just time. Yeah, and time. Yeah. And, then, and that doesn't have to be in San Diego with the beach. It could right. be uh, at the creek. You know, our best moments are just these walks or and hikes. They, they love throwing rocks. I throwing mean, rocks. Hudson can just sit there and throw rocks. Yeah. yeah. And then the, the, the things our kids remember, just remember we did this, and I'm like, oh yeah, they usually didn't cost very much money. And that's, I guess that's the main thing in terms of like, I, I posted this somewhere. I think it was on Jeff Goins. He did a comment about it. And I basically said like, he said something about like, what do you think that is, un, is an un, unpopular opinion? And I, I said something to the effect of that kids are not expensive. It's the parents that make them expensive. Mm-hmm. And I truly believe that. Kids don't expect that much. We, our culture, and our, us as parents, we, you need Taekwondo. No, I don't need Taekwondo. Mm-hmm. It's not that, so I think that's a big one for me. So from the great words of Paul in Timothy 4-7, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith when your journey's over what legacy are you hoping to leave that's kind of that's a great question because that's where i think i don't know in your 40s like i've heard this saying like you get to a certain age and you start thinking about that and i didn't think about that 10 years ago because you got to pay the bills but i think what i'm working on now i think the beginnings of what we're working at first of all as a husband and a dad because that's what you're going to be remembered by for me um and then the people that i've been able to connect with and help and, and, and form relationships with. I think an emptiness in my life was always that I never really, you know, in my, I, I didn't have a whole lot of close friends. I had a lot of acquaintances, but I didn't have people that I'd be like, and, and now I feel like I have an abundance and it's the best feeling, you know, but that wasn't even 10 years ago, that wasn't the case. So I think just constantly growing, teaching my kids that, you know, it was the, it was the line I wrote in my book from Billy Graham, who just passed. And he said, you know, they, they said, how could you have had a greater impact in the world? And he said, well, I've spoken to stadiums of 80 and 90,000 people. And if I were to spend more time with my three kids, I would have had a greater impact in the world. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I, I, I read that. I put that in the book and it stopped me in my tracks because I was like, all this stuff that we're looking to grow and the platform, what are you doing it for? To have more of an right. impact. Well, if that's from somebody that's seen it all, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to listen to that. Yeah, and I think just listening to you, just uh, again, because what I love is that really a lot of the driving forces you know, your kids is yes. your family, it, it you is. know, is that freedom. So pick up freelance to freedom right there because there's a lot of great wisdom in there. Vincent stories, some fun stories in there. 
Um, Some embarrassing stories in there. Yeah, that's. When I stuck that thing in my head for my kid, and I got the hickey. I got a big. Oh yeah, yeah, I that, remember that. that yeah, was, yeah. There's a picture somewhere on a hard drive somewhere that Elizabeth's trying to find of me with a big giant purple hickey-like thing in the middle of my forehead from a suction cup that I stuck on my head for Andrew's enjoyment Yeah, that worked out to be really bad. Which is really cool, I'm thinking, because, you know, you got two people in Nashville, Dave Ramsey and Dan Miller, who really, you merge their stories and their platforms together. It's kind of what you're going at right they were financial freedom to time have the time frame yeah they were they were huge influences and i mean those were really dave and dan were two people that from the very beginning that we started doing this were were just giant impacts on what we've been able to do and so let's see we'll be in pittsburgh in a couple months Mm -hmm. a month and a half now yeah actually what is it april yeah and then so when are you picking up the rest of your uh, travels that's what we're figuring out the next leg of the tour is what we're trying to figure out once everybody recovers from the first leg yeah which took about a week and a half to do. Well, hold on, though. It was supposed to be perfect touring, right? Why would you need recovery time? <sighs> that's that's a whole nother episode. <laughs> All right. Well, Vincent, uh, let people know where they can find you and um, any other information you want them to know. Yeah. I mean, the website is totallifefreedom.com, and then we have the Freelance to Freedom Tribe, which is our free Facebook group if anybody wants to be a part of our shenanigans, which is a fun group, and that's that's really it. All right. Cool. All right, well, we're going to uh, go eat some more. That's right. I'm hungry. All right, appreciate the time. Thanks, buddy. All right. For a lot more wisdom and insight into Vincent's story, make sure to go find his book, Freelance to Freedom. I'll have a link to that as well and purchase that. He's got some pretty fun stories in there as well. Next week, Chad Jeffers will join me. We had the pleasure of hanging out in the Rambler in Franklin. Chad has a pretty exciting life. He tours and plays guitar with Carrie Underwood, writes music, speaks, and teaches some at Belmont University. Make sure to tune in next week for Chad's interview. Thanks again for tuning in to Nashville Untold. If you enjoyed the show, make sure to subscribe. Also, feel free to share with someone and leave a review. Make sure to check out the show notes for more details on Vincent Biglisi and ways to connect with him, as well as Melinda Edlin. And don't forget to check out Safe Haven Homeless Shelter, their hike. Um, It's at Edwin Warner Park, which is a great park in West Nashville. As far as the sponsors, if you have not picked up on it yet, I'm a realtor in the Nashville area with a focus on residential real estate and real estate investing. I'd be happy to help you with your real estate needs. You can also give Brandon Hutchison a call with the Legacy Mutual Mortgage for all of your lender needs and Limestone Title and Escrow for any title needs. Now for musical guest Melinda Edlin. Okay, this song is called O Lark, as in the bird, Lark. Um, and it's all about just following your passion and following your dream. So, yeah. Build your name.
dust on the ground and silence your voice, oh lark. enjoyed listening to Nashville Untold with Andrew Buckwalter. We encourage you to leave us a rating or review on iTunes and be sure to subscribe so you won't miss a single episode. To be a guest on the show or to share your thoughts, send us an email to podcast at andrewbuckwalter.com. Until next time, 